0: All right, you guys, so we're going to have a, a Q&A night tonight, and myself and my brother Steve will do our best to answer the questions that you guys have put together. Cliff's going to be our moderator and read them for us, and so if your question is is good, then that means Cliff will probably read it, but hopefully, I don't know if we're going to have enough time to get to all the questions tonight. Uh, we'll see what we can do, but like it has been in the past as well, if when, we, when a question gets read and we attempt to answer it from, from what the Word says, um, if there needs to be more discussion, please let that happen. You know, If you want to raise your hand or, and talk more about it, you're welcome to do so, because we want this to be a night about, especially about you guys understanding, grasping more. I'm sorry it's so cold in here still, Jackie. Hopefully you're able to concentrate. Um, it's not that cold. So, let's <laughs> I'm in shorts. Let's, let's pray, and then we'll give it over to Clint, and he could give us the first question. So, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are holy, and we praise you for all of your goodness and glory. And we thank you that we get to have time tonight to think about whatever topics might be on the hearts of us all, Lord. And we ask for wisdom as we approach your word and we seek to answer things through the the sure foundation that is your inspired and scripturated word. We thank you so much for your word and for the knowledge that it imparts to us. And Holy Spirit, we know that apart from you, we can't rightfully understand it and truly believe it. And so we pray that you would work faith in our lives tonight as as we think about these different questions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, first question.
1: What is a good elder to congregation ratio?
0: Same with deacons. What is a good elder to and deacon ratio to congregation? I could, I would say, you'd like to have at least three. So so, so it depends probably then on the amount of the congregation. So I'll say this, I guess. So sometimes you don't, Get to have the liberty to like say there's there should be this many, um, but I, I, oh, if you're gonna have a biblical church, there's at least always two shepherds. Because I'd say Christ is the chief shepherd of every church, and then if there's one elder or pastor, that person is technically under Christ. Like Christ is the head of every local church, and so sometimes you know you might have a church that is you know. 30 people in it or there might be 300 and what if God hasn't given to that church any other men who are qualified to be elders that would be very difficult on that one elder pastor and I think the intent that he should have would be to identify those people that God has placed in the congregation that could serve in that way but and same thing for deacons as well But there's not like a there's no like Bible verse that says oh for every twenty people you have in a congregation you need one elder and one deacon. It doesn't say that. Elders and deacons are gifts to the church. We read they're in Romans 14. Right? Is that where the spiritual gifts are talking about? And they're not the type of spiritual gifts that you would normally think of like speaking in tongues. Those gifts that passed away at the end of the. that early uh, time period when the new covenant was first ratified, but he talks about you know pastors and teachers and evangelists as being gifts to the church, and so whatever church has, those are from the Lord, and if those men are seeking to honor the, honor the Lord in that regard and they're listening to the you know prompts from the, the desires from the Holy Spirit and the current elders or just elder is doing his job he should be aware and looking I think we can say ideally yeah.
2: yeah I would say that the, the church of 30 is a much different animal than the church of 300 and that if you have a church of 300 and you're running with one elder and you don't have deacons or other elders I, I think you clearly burn are, out and he would yeah I think you're, you're clearly um, I, it would be hard for me not to say that that's problematic Because you are one person, and it's clear that there should be a plurality of elders. Yeah. So you need to... Now, you could have a really brand new church plant. But even then, I I would hope that from where you were coming, you might have been able to try to draw a few other brothers to come and help lead until you get it off the ground. But I would say that for any length of time that you have a congregation of 300 people and you don't have the support... You set yourself up for potential issues. Yeah. Same thing is true with deacons. You, like our church has what, 125, 150 people a week? We have five. And I feel like I couldn't imagine if we didn't have any now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And ideally, I guess you would think maybe 25, 30 people per elder would be great. Uh, Because, you know, with the elders, part of the elders' job is to be praying for. Those members and so the more that could contribute to that would be really ideal but at the end of the day it's just it ends up to what God gives I would say that
2: like in our church is pretty blessed because the elders and the deacons team up pretty well and so like you have one they, right now <laughs> that's true even though even though the, the list can be long you know that you've got like the elders know that they have the deacons that are also doing the same thing yeah. at least in regards to praying
1: Okay, next one? Sure. Why does God use so many repeating numbers? Like third and seventh?
0: Okay, so that's like a hermeneutical question, right? Um, Adam, I heard Adam saying over here, so that he would get through our thick skulls, is that what you were saying? Yeah. I think that's right too it's a little bit tough right because we don't want to be super dogmatic about numbers that we see although we're preaching through revelation right now and in in apocalyptic literature there is the use of numbers to signify things And so it would seem to be when it happens it would seem to be something that God is using to help us understand especially when we think of revelation right that's what I've been trying to say is that this numbers on purpose it could have been more but he's using this number to describe and teach us something specific. So it's, it's, a, it's a way to teach.
2: Yeah, I'd say like, when you see those, those numbers again, use that as almost like a sign of I should sit and think about this or ask my mom or dad or ask one of the leaders or come ask one of the elders why is that
0: significant. Yeah. It, it, should, it shouldn't just be glossed over. You should at least look at it and think, oh, there's a reason for that. And not every number is significant too, right? Sometimes you're reading and there's just a list of n- there's Sometimes numbers. Sometimes
2: 30,000 people. It's like, just 30,000 people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: So the context instructs us as to what's happening here with this number. Is it just telling it for like a historical fact sort of a thing, or is he also teaching some theological principle through it? depend upon the context.
2: Yeah, then, then y'all yeah, yeah, do have to be careful. Like, not careful, but you do be aware of your genre too. Yeah. So like, narrative is much different than apocalyptic mm-hmm. or poetry.
0: Okay.
1: Ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Are males and females designed to be close friends? When does it become too familiar? Matt Chandler type
0: situation. So, this, yeah. <laughs> so there's a <laughs> <laughs> all right, so there's a po- a pastor who is really he's popular, especially within the Southern Baptist Convention and kind of within like the Calvinistic Baptist world, I guess you would say. His name is Matt Chandler. Unfortunately, since COVID he's kind of done some stuff that's kind of shown he's kind of like woke, sympathetic and maybe a little bit woke himself, actually. But anyways, in the news recently, he stepped down because his, there was a woman in his congregation that he was, I guess, on Instagram, and they were sending direct messages to each other. They are friends. They are both married. Both of their spouses knew about it, but it's this big thing. Supposedly there was nothing inappropriate, nothing immoral or sexual about it, but it became this public thing, and he stepped down. Um, And the elders asked him to step down from being a pastor for a while until they figure out what's going on So we have no idea how long it's going to be He did say in some interview that he plans on being their pastor and to his credit It's been now three weeks or so since that news came out and there hasn't been more information about it Which I'm hopeful that means that there really isn't anything going on because sometimes When it's a little bit of a leak, then there's something more that comes out later that doesn't seem to have happened um, it's really weird. It's the Matt Chandler situation. I mean, obviously, you want to glorify God in your relationship, and men and women. There could be that temptation there, but it's okay for men and women to be friends. Although it's, it's wise to use, be, to be prudent and to you know follow like what people call the Billy Graham rule, in you know where a man shouldn't necessarily be alone with a woman who's not his wife, um, because you set yourself up from having people um, accuse you of things and you also you know less in temptation and well it's not even I don't know if it's necessarily above reproach thing but it just it just depends on um, the situation like it's being
2: wise of recognizing I don't want to be in a ditch for making a bad decision and I don't want the name of Christ to be drug in the mud because the world has something to say and wants to use that too I think you just need to be prudent
0: Men and women can be friends, but understand that we live in a world where bad things happen, and don't, don't over, it's good to not overestimate your own personal holiness as well. Um, this is actually
2: a good question, kind of ties in with like being a deacon, because I know you and I have both, we've driven around believers, mm-hmm. and it's just been me and a woman in the car, driving to a doctor's appointment, or is that you too? Like, yeah.
0: Usually so it's an elderly woman, right? So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, The person I'm thinking of is. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit different in that Real. regard. Um,
2: it definitely is smart for you to put like like Christ in, in your front view and being wise about the kind of stuff that you do. It's good to be friends, but am I doing stuff that could draw people's attention away from who Christ is and put it on put it on me or put it on him in a bad light. Yeah.
0: You guys are younger, right? And so you're not married. And so ideally, you're going to want to be married someday. And so being friends with someone from the opposite gender is a good idea. You want to obviously be married to someone who's your friend that you know well. But at the same time, good idea to not also put yourself in situations where you're behind closed doors, just the two of you, or you know your 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 parents don't know where you are or something like that. Like there, there should be a level of accountability, and that's even what the whole Billy Graham rule really comes down to. Really, it's about being accountable. You know, if, that's why we try to not do that. Sometimes it can't be avoided, but um, yeah. not like there's, there's been times when I've had to uh, like meet the woman or councilwoman, and all my my office door will be open. But if it was a man, it would probably have been closed. You're sexist. No, yes. no, I'm no. I, I I recognize there are two sexes, and I recognize that uh, certain things are could be inappropriate or misconstrued. So, yeah. You, All
1: right. Is it smart to make decisions by flipping a coin or rolling a <laughs> dice? Because Drunk box. chances are,
0: whoever this <laughs> Calvinistic. <laughs> I, Calvinist, sovereign kid is, I, you have my respect. <laughs> I mean, like, it depends what it is, right? Like Your mom has said, clean up your room. Well, I'm going to flip a coin. If it's... <laughs> You do what your mom says. It just depends on the situation. Like, we see in the Bible of casting lots. That's the same thing. Like, when they were... And we could talk about, was it right for the apostles to cast lots, to try to replace Judas at that time? Um, they did it, and... I, I'm not saying that they were wrong for it, but what they did was, you know, the cast, cast lots, which is just a simple way of leaving it up to chance. Whatever the uh, whatever the outcome is, it, would, it was between two people who should be an apostle, Matthias or Barabbas, and the lot fell on Matthias. I think another famous one is with Job, right? Or no, Jonah. Jonah. Because Jonah. Jonah. they cast lots in the cast boat. lots in the boat. Yeah. Right. And so and it fell on Jonah. Right. And, <laughs> I'm sure we'll and so flipping a coin, dice, I mean, it just depends on your situation. You're, you're deciding to go to a college and, you know, one choice is this Christian college over here with these good professors and the other one is, like, some party school. Well, you know, you don't flip a coin at that point. You make the right decision in wisdom. You got a party I'm going to come go out to the party to school to evangelize
2: to those heathens. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I'm going to come out... <laughs> I'm gonna be a little more focused. Uh, or I'm forceful. saying, you, I'm saying you don't do it that. I, right, it. but I'm saying in general, like we shouldn't be doing. Oh, uh, okay, okay. In general, I think because God gives you a brain. And he gives you counselors oh, around you. Your parents are wise. So, Somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your parents are wise. If your, brain, if your parents aren't wise, we'll come to you after. Yeah. Okay. What would be a
0: good situation to flip a coin? And trust None. I don't know that there's a good brain. place to flip a coin. I think I'm gonna go for a walk. Or I'm gonna take a nap.
2: <laughs> I don't think you should always do that. take a nap. Always. Take I'm that. not saying it's sinful. Yeah, I'm saying like... it. You. Sh- I'm saying that you should think it through and if you don't know the answer then Then both answers either might be right or they might be wrong and then go get the bigger the decision the more counsel you should get and I think coin flipping takes your ability to kind of apply scripture to your life and it takes away your parents important role which is to help you and give you advice and guide you and help you see how to make good decisions
0: why don't we flip a coin on this decision?
2: <laughs> I'm gonna roll a die for that. We have the, the, the <laughs> two face coin. It's always yeah. Because yeah, I, I was like, who whoever is whoever is this really into DC villains? Yeah. <laughs> all right.
1: What are your opinions on using going to restaurants or using products that go against our Christian values or
2: supports sinning? about Disney+. <laughs> I would say that. You uh, in today's time with globalism the way that it is and ginormous companies who are everywhere and have their and own a lot of smaller companies and you're you are just going to be dealing with people who on some end if you make a transaction with them they will use that money for evil. With that said, that's different kind of just the general course of the world being what it is and doing things that are just naturally to themselves that are opposed to God, that would be different than like you might see in um, June when quote unquote Pride Month happens and these companies are then going out of their way to not only be sinful but to celebrate it. That for sure would be a different thing for me. So like I might buy, I might use my phone from at and who I do know supports like LGTB, nonsense but i think you said that right (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't matter i'm not bothered if i didn't uh but that would be a different thing than in june if they're like hey we gave you these pride flags and you should be adding them into your stuff i'd be like no i'm not doing that but i know that they do spend some of their profits on stuff that's anti god and anti his word So it's up to, like, you have to be wise with what the Lord provides you because the money that you have is not yours. It's not your mom's. It is the Lord's and you're stewarding it. So you will spend money on things and deal with people who aren't believers. But that's, that I think is a different thing than putting money directly into things that are sinful or being, or promoting sinfulness.
0: Yeah. I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. Um, I would say maybe I understand the intent of people who want to do that, but the, the reality is that we can't escape from everything that's evil in this world. I understand that we don't want to support things that are evil, and so you know you might have, like I heard recently some um, a business was allowed to not let their employees have to pay a certain sort of medical care that was supportive, that was supporting ab- abortions. And so I, I get that, that's a good thing. But like when it comes to media, the stores you shop in, you would literally need to like withdraw from society to avoid the You for sure would have to take drug. June off. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's everything, right? Yeah. It's every- and so, I, sometimes I, I, Christians like to talk about, oh, we, we got rid of this, or oh, we no longer shop there. And it's almost like a little, it has like the, the smell of pietism to it. And it's like, look how holy I segments. am for doing this. Um, but maybe a better idea would just be like, hey, well, you know, I'm not going to watch that specific thing, but I don't have to get rid of the whole corporation, or I'm, so, I'm not going to yeah. go. I'm not going to buy the the rainbow flag shirt, but I'm going to still buy, you know, the regular. I'm going to still go jeans. to Target
2: and buy jeans, right? But I'm not buying their Pride Month stuff,
0: right? Otherwise, I you know, I think of John 17 where Jesus, you know, he's praying and he. Praise that, that we wouldn't. He prays for those of us as we remain in the world, but he said he says I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that the world may know me through them, and that your that your word is truth. So we can't. Um, I mean, I get the sentiment in wanting to say, hey, I'm, I'm boycotting this. I'm boycotting Oreos. I'm boycotting... I mean, there's just every everything. I mean, every. I know. So it's. You just try I think the wise thing to do is to just not participate with those specific things.
2: And I also would say that leave an avenue open when you see that there's a company that's going out of its way to be like, not only are we doing this, but we're doing it joyfully and I'm letting you know that I'm doing it because God is stupid and I hate him. Like that's obviously overly simplified. But then I would say then I would find somebody else to to shop with then because I have options, but I, I don't know that there's a hard and fast rule for sure. But yeah. I would always just look at the money that I have is not mine. The Lord gave it to me to steward it and use it well, and I would, I would be, I would be as good with it as I could be. Yeah. You wanted to add something. John? I was just saying. I was just like,
0: so like you, so see you would say different for like, for like working for a company, like if you were working for a company that. You know, like during Pride Month, or you know, <clears throat> are, you know constantly that's their big talking points. And
2: I work in a school district; they do that foolishness, and they will. And I don't feel like I'm betraying the Lord. I feel like He's put me there to be to at least say something in, in my own staff room, and to talk about it. Then
0: Abraham Kuyper talks about spheres sovereignty. And so there's three, four spheres, kind of. There's the sphere of the family, the sphere of the church, and the sphere of the culture, and then also the sphere of the individual. But what you have is the sphere of the church. There's people from that are part of the church that are also in the culture. They're also part of families as well, too. And so I, I think that, you know, we understand that Christ is ruling and reigning over all things, but there's the kingdom of light, and the, which is the church, as people are truly regenerate, and there's the kingdom of darkness, which is people who are lost. And people who need the gospel, who need Christ, um, a Christian can be involved in aspects of, you know, the, what would be maybe properly called the kingdom of darkness, and not, you know, and by doing so, not like ruin their witness or ruin their testimony. They're still part of the church while like, they're there. Daniel worked for Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. Like
2: he literally worked for Babylon, yeah. and was still able to be faithful to the Lord.
1: Good question. Why wasn't everybody made exactly the same? Hmm. God's
0: not boring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're created equal not like <laughs> equity. Well not necessarily even equal I mean but like complementary stuff. I, I think you're thinking of like the American yeah. thing. Not everyone's equal I mean not I uh, you know Sam is like what how tall are you Sam? Six? Eight? He's like six, six seventeen. <laughs> he's, he's, three, four, he's, he's roasting us. He's nephilim adjacent. Is whatever he is. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm only like five. Times. I wish I would. I would love to be. You know, six one, six two. So we're not all equal, but we're all. He made us different for different things to complement one another. Just the same way that God gave us gifts that are not all the
2: same, yeah. because he, it's his it was his sovereign choice. Like some of us have different gifts than each other, even in this church, and that's for God's glory ultimately
1: What does the Bible say about
0: tattoos <laughs> well in the old mm-hmm. in the Old Testament uh, in deuteronomy it says to not I forget exactly the verse, but it, it talks about not getting tattoos, not to mark yourself up. And usually it's in the context of um, doing it for your like lost loved ones. And so what what was happening in the culture in Canaan where they were about to go into the promised land is that people would use tattoos as forms of worship, ancestor worship. Um, and so God didn't want his people to be involved with that. Tattoos, nowadays, we're not in the old covenant. It's We shouldn't the, those were what we would call um, a ceremonial law. There's when we look at the laws God gave in the old covenant, like like don't get tattoos, uh, put a fence around your house, don't you know tread, you know don't have clothes with different types of fabric, don't eat lobster. Those laws fell into different categories. There's the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments, the civil law or judicial law, and the ceremonial law. And so the ceremonial and the judicial laws, those all passed away. They're all done because the nation of Israel was done. There is no more nation of Israel. The church is spiritual Israel. The true believers that are part of the church is spiritual Israel. The nation of Israel was a type of what the true church is. And so those laws that were true for the nation of Israel, which the Bible says, they don't actually apply in the same way to us in the New Covenant now. So really tattoos, I think, comes down to a heart issue um, and a matter of wisdom. Why are you getting it? Are you getting it because you want to feel like... Well, the whole stigma of tattoos is just different now. So it's, it's weird, but it's not really a stigma anymore at all. They're just so common. I've heard, even to the point where people say, it's weird if you don't have a tattoo nowadays. It almost is, yeah. And so, what is? are you doing it for your own glory? Is it... You know, if it's something that you're doing because you want attention, then I would maybe, you know, I would want to think about that more. Like, why are you doing it um, to fit, you know, to fit in with certain people? Those, those sort of, like, motive questions should be really behind why are you getting a tattoo. It's not a sin, per se, to get a tattoo, but it might come out of a sinful motive, a sinful desire. And you a and tattoo you choose could also be a sin. Like, you get something vulgar or... Yeah. That's a
2: sinful Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Hometown, oh gosh. Because Jesus wept, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Again, as with so many things, it would be something that, talk
0: as young people, people, I would out.
2: encourage you to yeah. talk to your mom and dad. Yeah. Like they would give you good advice. You want a tattoo? There will be no tattooing the needs tonight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know
2: who's
0: home to stop it. You're, You're it. my dad. What? <laughs> I don't know, you're, you're a pretty good artist, right? No, he's not. No, more questions. <laughs> yeah, you ready? I'm decent at copying things right yeah. now.
1: Why doesn't God just kill
2: Satan?
0: Because <laughs> Satan is... That
2: would be too working. easy. <laughs> he's going to wipe him out with a word. Obviously, it's not easy. To... Well, go ahead. I mean... <laughs> By the logic of that question, then we might just ask, well, why does God do anything? Why did God make man? Why does God save man? Why, Why if we are believers, why don't we just pull that right up to heaven? Yeah, and and I would say that for me, God has decreed that that things will go a certain way, so that His power and His glory and His majesty are are on display, and that the universe flows in the way that he's decided it to go and that he gives Satan this time because it's ultimately for his good purposes and pleasures.
0: He works all things according to the counsel of his will. Right. And we know that Satan will be at one point tossed into the eternal lake of fire. So, right, Maybe we could say that Maybe say he remember I think we talked about this in a sermon recently, in Revelation, um, that he hasn't done it yet because there's still people. He is going to do it, and when he does it, it'll coincide with Christ's second coming. So he doesn't just throw he just doesn't kill Satan right now because Satan is serving a purpose in his plan of redemption until the point of everyone who was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world receives Christ. All those whose names are written in the in the Lamb's Book of Life, remember. Until those people are accounted for.
2: Yeah, and I almost wonder was a question asked because they're like, "Well, if God would have dealt with him at the very beginning, before he made it, like when he was dwelling in heaven, yeah, then everything would be good." And I, yeah, (laughs) I I guess I could see why you might think that. Why you? Then why would he create Satan in the first place?
0: To test. Because. um, it was for His good pleasure. Right, so we talked about this for and It's really difficult, but we talk about it, it's in the Latin. It's called Felix culpa, for- fortunate fall. And so God, like we wouldn't know. This is hard and abstract to think about, but God is much different than us. He's, he's perfect in all of His ways. All that is in God is God. So all, so justice, mercy, um, you know, holiness, goodness, righteousness omniscience, omnipresence. And so if there was never a fall, if there was never any sin, then we wouldn't know then we would know nothing of God's graciousness. We would know nothing of His 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 perfect benevolence to those that have been redeemed, even we wouldn't know of His character to redeem, because there would be nobody to redeem. And so because there was a fall, which required even Satan, right? Because he's a player in that. Because um, God Himself doesn't sin, but angels have agency and can choose right or wrong, and so in their agency He did that, and that you know instituted or that set forth you know Adam and Eve and the rest of those dominoes start falling, and it all happens according to God's plan. He's the first cause of everything, but He accomplishes His decrees through second causes, the free choices that people make, a second causes, and so if that never happened, then yeah, we would. You know, we would never know about God's graciousness and his mercy because there would be no reason to know it. Everybody would just be perfectly, had been perfectly good. How- so we know more of God. So, so think of it like this, I guess. Knowing more of God, we're able to give him more glory. Describe him more glory. Are Is they Christ your right?
2: high priest if there's no need for sin? No, you don't need a priest. You don't need a priest. Right. Like, you don't need a king. So does that mean God created evil then? <clears throat> I would say that it's rightly to say that God
0: allowed evil to occur. It's, it's a good question. The, the problem was evil and good are not things, right? Evil is actually, actually better thought of as the absence of good. And so, so evil is not a, a thing where God could just say, I'm going to create evil. Well, Everything that God created, he saw was good, but then evil is a lack of good. So so it's it, like so light and darkness. darkness. Similar, right? Yeah, similar to that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. cold heat. is a lack of, of heat, heat. right? It's a big lack. Of but that's Ethan. To your question, though, I mean that's you know, that's where you should, if you're, really thinking about this, that's where your mind should be going, because it's the problem like, in philosophy is I think called theos- theodicy, it's like, are the problem of evil, and that's a stumbling block for a lot of Christians. But what we see is that God ordained everything for good. He means good at the end, and sometimes he accomplishes his will through evil acts that he even ordained. But the testimony of scripture is that he doesn't force anybody to do it. People are always doing it of their own choice. So, But a good question. Want to go to 8.10 or keep going? Yeah, well, let's go to 8.10. Seven more minutes. All
1: right. All right. This, this one's a good one. Kind of on God says that he loves everyone but if you don't believe in, in him you never know him so does he love us or not?
2: He knows you <laughs> uh, I would say that I taught on it a few weeks ago I'd have to bring up my, my lesson when I did food pantry um but I think when we think about Jesus loves everyone, and so, like, why does he do? Why do people go to hell? I don't think that the biblical record stands up to that statement. Like God does talk about like the non-believer being His enemy, and that He hates yeah. them. So we have to like, we have to uh, we have to see what's really being said there, and what what people are trying to do when they try to say that God's love and that He loves everyone. When scripture is clear, no. Like, if you are not saved, not only does God not love you, he has a wrath against you personally. And that he has burning anger for you. And and a hate
0: for you because God has a hate for sin. It's part of his holiness to, to be that way, even. Um this is a good question again, and this is even one of those questions that even within the Reformed community, there's slight nuances and differences. But I think often we live in an emotional-driven culture, and so really, especially in the last 80 years or so, it's been very popular to just blanket statement God loves everyone, John three sixteen, for God to love the world. Case closed, what some people say. But really, you need to understand the context. When Jesus is talking about that there. I think world, it really, I mean, it's saying for God in this way loves the world. But, and, by, and by that, we mean he sent his son to the cross. But I think world also has a connotation of it of more than just the Jews, because in the Old Covenant especially, it was very Jewish-focused. It wasn't going out to the world. Uh, the world had to come to you know, Canaan. Uh, so there's that aspect too, but there are just some texts that are clear. Psalm 11, uh, 5, The Lord tests the righteous but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Proverbs 6, I think, mentions you know six things or seven things that the Lord hates. Is God loving people who are in hell right now? And then I think what that would mean. He'd be tormenting himself, right? Like, oh, these people are in hell, they're suffering, but I love them. Now I'm just perpetually sad forever. Well, that doesn't sound like God either. So I think maybe when we talk about love, we have to kind of think of it in, couple ways, too. Like, I love Anna in a way that's different than I love Steve. Boy, I would hope so. Anyway. <laughs> but there's, you know, even, you know, Jesus says that that the world will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. We're supposed to have love for the world as well, too, but our love for one another should even stand out as in contrast to our love for the world. So, and even there's as God a, yeah, there's a sense in which we say God loves everyone. Okay. And even as God hates but,
2: the sinner, he's still long suffering. Like the Bible also does talk about that God's long suffering and that every every believer was someone who was formerly at war with God yeah. in their heart. And that that makes the cross even such a more beautiful picture because while even that God has hate for sin and for sinners, he willingly sent his son to bring many sons to glory, as many of our songs that we sing say.
0: And it was because he loved us too. Yeah. And like he did it because he genuinely loved us, which is it's mysterious hard to grasp because yeah, Ephesians two, by nature you were children of wrath. And so even before you were saved, before his love was poured out upon you, there's a sense in which we could say that you were God's enemy. But God shows his love for us by dying for us, even his enemies. Would you
1: say he has a general love for
0: all his creation, but, but it's a different way that individuals are? Yeah, I'm comfortable with saying that at least. Yeah. I, I think some people are not. But like, that's what I was trying to distinguish between like Anna and yeah. you know, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. So, Doesn't it say in the Bible, though, to love your enemies? It does say to love your enemies. I'm, in, uh, my my counter to that would right? be
2: that God's not a creature. Mm-hmm. God's not human like
0: we are. Well, that's what people will say, too. They'll say, like, look, well, God tells you to love your enemies, so then why... then say, how would you say he doesn't love his enemies? That's kind of their line of thinking is what people will say. And your defense is good. Like, we're not God. Yeah. The thing that I always think about, like, why would God save a wretched sinner like myself? If he would save a wretched sinner, someone who, like, I wasn't looking for, for God at all. I was, you know, actively, you know, looking away, trying to make fun of Christians and stuff. And so if God could extend his kindness and his grace to me... Well, then that should compel me to be loving and gracious to others as well, too. But we're not God. Yes, Sam? Um,
1: Well, I mean, there's also righteous anger, and um, I think that there's a distinction there. You know, when when we're called to love our enemies, a lot of times the way that we, um, you know, if we we aren't loving our enemies and hating our enemies, um, a lot of times there's sin involved with that. Yeah, um, and so, but there is there is a there is a place for even us to have you know, righteous anger.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. It's a complex matter, right? Someone's trying to kill my family. Someone's broken into my house trying to kill my family. Here is my enemy. Am I going to love my enemy by not protecting my family? No, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna defend my my neighbors who are my family. Yeah. And so it, it it's really it's a it's a tougher matter than I think most people want to think about. Um, but it's good to think about it and see what all of God's word. I
2: love my enemy by not going and doing something vile to them. I love yeah. my enemy by being honest with them and telling them the truth, yeah. and sharing the gospel. But I also have a responsibility for my family, and an enemy that would come in. You like then that's a whole different story. Well, that's why <laughs> you can't help everyone.
0: Like my dad, like with the pastor, with stuff. Some of the stuff he goes through, you know, you can't. Like <laughs> someone doesn't have a place to sleep, you can't just bring any any old person. Homework, right? Or, you don't know, give anything anyone because yeah. you have to, you have other things to look out for as well. Yeah, it's not it's not so black and white, right? Yeah. One more, last one. Yeah, one more.
1: All right, this this one should be. All uh, right, in Revelation three three, it says, "If you do not wake up, God will come like a thief in the night." So, if you are a Christian, will God come when you expect it? <laughs> So all
2: Christians will be aware. Where's of my post
0: mill, brother Zed? Uh, theonomists. <laughs>
2: theonomists.
0: <laughs> Let me look at Revelation three. Yeah. Can you
2: read their
0: quote? It, no, no, no. it says, remember then when you received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. and You will not know at what hour I will come against you. So he's saying, if you're a Christian, will you know when God's coming again? That's, yeah, so I think that, that text actually is not talking about his second coming. Yeah. It's talking yes. about him coming in judgment, remember? and So the point is, is like to this, this church that he was writing to, the to Church of Sardis, there were people who were you know, professing to be Christian, yet they're, were they really? Their actions weren't saying that. God is saying, hey, these things aren't lining up. And you know, if there's not repentance, then you know, who knows when you're going? Who knows if there's going to be time for you to repent? You can't just live your life, you know, abusing the grace of God. In other words, thinking that you're right with him. Um, So God uses these warnings in scripture to bring those people who truly trust him and love him to repentance. And people who don't love him, they just ignore it. And they, you know, they'll be surprised, I guess, you know, on that day. But there's other places in the Bible that talk about his second coming um, and saying that we won't know. Um, That's fine. Yeah, we don't... I, no, the date predictors, you got to watch out. Christ could come right now, now if he wanted, I think. Yeah. When, when the last person who was chosen Christ for the foundation of the world is saved, and we just don't know when that is because we can't measure that, so it's impossible for us to measure. Matthew 24, he talks about it, the world looking like as it was in the times of Noah, so... You say that you would never do that. Though. he won't flood it, but he said that the when judgment comes, it'll be like that. You know, it'll be okay. let that. um, Good question, guys. We still have a lot of questions. I think maybe you will get to address these questions again um, in a few weeks.
2: Yeah, a few weeks. I like that everyone was serious and there weren't any silly ones. That well, I was gonna say <laughs> uh, you just weren't. That's taken. why you have Clint.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the filter. That's why we have. That a, a, game a, game tonight. Reading a good jokes. moderator. It's a God, blessing. A we're playing a boring game. All right, let's pray, you guys.
2: Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Father God, we thank you for this night, Lord. God, I thank you for our the kids that you put for us to shepherd in. Um, watch over for you, God. There's such a blessing to all of us, God. Um, Lord, we pray that the questions that came were ones that shined a light, Lord, on your truth and your justice and your love and your mercy, God. You're so much bigger than any of our questions. You're so more powerful than we could even possibly imagine, God. Yet you condescended to Earth as a song said tonight because you came for a people to save God. We love you so much. We thank you for everything. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, um...